Hey, good evening, everybody. Thanks for joining us. Great to see you guys. Uh, how many of you guys know it's been uh, seven weeks since we started this series uh, called Restoring the Awe of God? And we've been looking at uh, just this aspect that we need to remember how big our God is, how good He is, uh, and that although we should be comfortable in His presence, it's a very different thing to become uh, kind of overly familiar that we treat Him like He's the same as us. So we've been looking at that aspect of how God desires us to be responsive to his word, how he wants us to kind of have this heart that understands the fear of the Lord, that the healthy fear of the Lord. It keeps us from evil. The love of God might draw us close, but what keeps us at times on the right path is understanding that there's both truth and grace so that we don't walk off into lawlessness, neither do we fall into legalism. And we've been talking about this aspect that we um understand that God's aspect is to call us to a greater friendship, a, a closer intimacy. And we're going to conclude um, tonight our series that we started. Uh, this is the seventh installment on that. Now, you know, um, some of you guys heard me talk about the other week that before I bought uh, a, I recently bought a 19-year-old new car for me. Uh, but before that, I was rocking a 17-year-old car. So I, I, I don't know, the next year, next time it's going to be older. Now, uh, but you know, every once in a while when I was driving that Honda Accord, my 2006 Honda Accord, which my daughter is driving now, that uh, I used to complain. You guys ever complain about the car? Like, could start making little bit noises that, you know, that, you know, and all that. And it's like, to be honest, some of us, you guys don't relate to that with the car, but looking at, at the crowd, I bet you there's some of you guys, you make noises, personally, that you never used to make, right? Like, you guys ever get up from the floor and you start doing one of these, you go, ugh. Hey, I never used to make that when I was 20, you know what I mean? Or, or that when you sit down, as some of you guys, I hear, you, I hear when you sit down, you just go, phew. Like, how come you got to make a noise like that when you sit down? But anyway, so um, sometimes we made some noise, right? And then recently I had to drive our trucks. And, um, you know, when I'm driving the trucks and we're taking it, getting service, all those things, all of a sudden at the end of that, you know, it's not that they're not safe or anything, but man, they weren't made for comfort, right? So at the end, when I get out and I ride, I get in my own car, I feel like, man, I'm riding in the best car in the world. You know what I mean? It's like the smoothest ride. It's like, wow, what happened? And you know, the difference is actually nothing actually changed. It's my perspective changed. And, and this evening, what we want to talk about in some ways is that keeping this sense of restoring our awe of God, it's just making sure that we, we change our perspective, that we're continually challenging some of those things. Sometimes we need a perspective change. Uh, maybe even as you go through life that you need a perspective change. If you find yourself complaining about the thing that you once thought was what you prayed for, right? That once you, once you believe was the blessing of God, sometimes now if we're not careful, we can even complain about those things. And so uh, Stephen Covey, the business consultant guy, said this to change ourselves effectively we first have to change our perspective our perceptions and so hey this this weekend that's in some ways that's what we want to close as we uh, end our time when are you in the awe of God? When are you most reverent to God? I'm going to guess for some of us, you sense his closeness, not when you're in your office or you're sitting in your car, although you might worship with the, the uh, windows rolled up and all of that, or you might worship God in your times of reflection and prayer and all of those things. Um, but I'm going to guess a lot of us when you go outside. You know, maybe you're in the water. It's when you're uh, on the golf course. It's when you're outside and you, you see the beauty of creation. And why is that? Because to be honest, God said that ever since he made it, it was there to declare God's glory. And we're gonna start, we're gonna read that in uh, Romans 1.20 uh, this evening. Would you be kind enough, let's stand in reverence for God and be uh, standing as we read his word out loud together. Let's read what it says. Ready? Begin. For ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and sky. Through everything God made, they can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power, and his divine nature. So they have no excuse for not knowing God. Now, very clearly, I think when we see this, that I, I think we see the beauty of creation and, and the scripture is very clear. God is not creation, but 
but that God created creation, right? That God is not the world, right? He's not the sum total of the world. He's, he's apart from that. But, but his handiwork displays his character. And maybe you're in that place where you sense, you know, you see the beautiful sunset, you feel the breeze on your face, and you go, man, it's so good to be alive, maybe in those moments. And, and you see the beauty of the handiwork, and you see, God, that you, you're so intricate in your creation and and so god says that there's there's things that at times you got to look up and there's going to be some times that you're going to have to look around if you want to maintain this aspect of the reverence and awe of god so before you're seated do me a favor just turn to your neighbor says hey you're part of god's creation right and when we look at people when we look at people, we see God's infinite creativity, right? We see the manifold grace of God it talks about. And so, hey, there's two points right here that I'm just going to uh, talk about, but, but there's going to be some subpoints, so don't worry, we'll get a little bit longer. No, but uh, so it says the first one is that stop and consider God through his creation. In the Old Testament, uh, King David wrote this. He says, when I look at the night sky... And I see the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars you set in place. What are mere mortals that you should think of them? Human beings that you should care for them. Yet you made them only a little lower than God and crowned them with glory and honor. Now, you know, the thing is that if you live in a city or you live in a place that's just all built out and street lights and city lights and all of those things, we don't see nearly the stars as you would if you, you went out to the North Shore, maybe you drive down Yokohama's at the end of the road that way, or you know, however it is that wherever you go. But but there are places that you can just look out. Even doesn't matter how, what the, the the lights are. Like if the moon is out, right? That you see the moon. And how many of us that you fell in love under the moon, right? Ah, right under on that date night. Sometimes I used to tell when I was doing college ministry, I would say that you know sometimes all you need to fall for somebody is the moonlight and that right. Time and you're holding hands and you ought to be and it's like don't don't fall in love just by the, the by the mood but sometimes it can have that uh, effect on us but you know the moon is about a quarter the size of the earth but it impacts us uh, in tremendous ways right tides and and and, and things along the, it, it intercedes in terms of the reason why we aren't killed by asteroids and all of those things is because the moon God placed it in the sky to to be that place that's kind of like a shield from all that happens around us and and so this thing in the sky the moon which is i think we have a slide right so or we should have some slides but uh that, that there's these things in the sky that we clearly can see that god had made right and then we see not just in the moon which is very very visible unless it's once uh the the once a month when it's it's out of sight that another thing that god made that we see is venus right i don't know if you guys have noticed venus that doesn't quite look this big in the sky but that it's very visible it's the second brightest thing in the sky and and so this is this planet is 67 million miles from the sun and then jupiter is also visible it's the third brightest that in the sky but you see this thing that's 484 million miles from the sun and so all of these are in our celestial neighborhood we call our solar system right and and the solar system goes all the way out to like about 13.5 billion miles right now you can see these things and we haven't even talked about stars yet right we haven't even talked about stars because he said like obviously you can see the sun you don't want to look at the sun which is a star but the the thing that david says when i go out at night and I see God's handiwork, right? It, it's, it, it draws an amazement, the work of your hands, the moon and the stars that you've set here. And if you've ever been on the Big Island and you've ever been up on Mauna Kea, this is shot from Mauna Kea, that you can actually see the Milky Way and it's called the Milky Way because there is that cloud of, of cosmic dust in it. Now, I think there's a little bit of exposure here on this, right? So it's not quite this bright, but, but you can actually see it even with the naked eye, not, not from the telescope. And, and we see this aspect. This is all the stuff that he's talking about. We see these things, David's says when I go out at night when you know because it, it's like being out 
on the North Shore. It's like being out, right? They, they, all of these things. And we know that the, the Milky Way, our galaxy, contains 100 million, they think, to 400 billion stars. And it's crazy. It's 100, I'm sorry, 100 billion to 400 billion stars. NASA estimates that the Milky Way is 100,000 light years across. Now, how big is a light year? It's the speed, I mean, it's the distance that light can travel in the course of a year. And if um, they say, right, about 186,000 miles per second, and if you look at that, they say, then what is a light year is in the neighborhood of, what is it? I don't know, I wrote it down. I think it's 93 billion, I'm sorry, it's 93 million miles, I think they say. It's a, it's a light year. No, it must be more than that. I probably, I just, I don't know where I wrote it. But, um, and, and so we're in this neighborhood and there's galaxies around us, right? There's galaxies around us. The nearest one is Andromeda, it's, which is much bigger than ours. Um, it's about twice as big and there's others. But you know, what science has been able to show us is with the Hubble telescope, it's not only that we have one galaxy or two galaxies or three galaxies, but this is an, an actual photo from uh, the Hubble Space Telescope that sees each of those are not stars, but each of those images that are on the screen are galaxies, right? Are galaxies. And, and so in, in, in the, the course of the, uh, the science's estimates, they believe that, that the range of the universe, which is still expanding, right? It's, it's ever expanding, but it's, it's, 93 billion light years to seven trillion light years, right? Now, why do I explain all this? Because God's word tells us in Isaiah 40, verse 12, so who else has held the oceans in his hand or who has measured off the heavens with his fingers? It's, it's like saying it's the span of God's hand. The, the 900 trillion, I'm um, the 7 trillion light years, then 93 billion light years across. It says to God, it's, it's the span of his head. That's how big your God is. And he says this, that when I look at how phenomenal, now the, the ancients didn't know how big it was. They just knew that God, you just measured all that out with your hand when you did all that. And what does he say? Does he say that so that I would think that I am an insignificant speck on the face of the planet? No, he doesn't say it that way. He says, what are mere mortals that you should think about them, human beings that you should care for them? He says, you know what he's saying actually? And he says that what he's saying is an elevation of mankind. Because he's saying that we are so insignificant in some sense in the cosmic universe. But he says, but you only made us a little lower than you and crowned us with glory and honor. So he's saying this, what a privilege for people like us to know a God like you. That's really what he's saying. And sometimes, I don't know about you, but I, I need to renew that perspective from time to time. And sometimes when I go outside and I, I just look in my backyard and I see the stars or I look at the moon, right? Or, or I, I look at the sunset, it, it reminds me. Sometimes it's, it's if I'm at the beach. I, I don't know where you are, but you don't have to live in the middle of, you know, uh, on the beach. You don't have to live on this kind of a place to be able to do that. You can just go outside and you can see these things. And he says, who else can do this? Now, this aspect of how big your God is, and it's at the same time, he knows the, the littlest details of our life, right? He knows every cell in you. He knows every gene in you. He knows every atom and molecule that makes up your body. And you can go the other way, right? And the, the smallest things. He says nothing, there's nothing about you and about this universe that escapes God's notice because it's all part of his plan. And do me, a, do me a favor, just turn to your neighbor and say, and you are part of God's plan. Tell your neighbor that. 
You are not here by accident. God made you. God created you. Why? Because he loved you. And what does that should do? It should cause us to have some awe and wonder about our creator and even about the life that he's given us and created us for. Now, here's one thing that I've known, though, that unless you structure your life, unless you structure your life for the fear of the Lord, that so often that these moments, that they'll, they'll fade, right? These moments will fade because all of us, we have values and principles that guide our behavior and our lives. Whether the, these values are about God or your career or about what you do for fun or what you do for, for romance or personal growth or, or for uh, financial well-being or health or family and friends, without some kind of a structure, that we up, often end up neglecting our values. Because we can say we prioritize our marriage or with our time together, or you can say I prioritize my friends or my kids or whatever it is, uh, but if we don't structure for that, it's so easy for us just to kind of get, you know, just go through life and, and then you just kind of like, oh, oh yeah, that's just my wife, <laughs> it's just my kids, right? And it, we lose that wonder. And that there ought to be some sense of structure by which you do this. Now, w one of the things that when we began the series, I actually looked at this, uh, this verse that we're gonna read, but I wanted us to revisit this. Because it talks about this aspect of what the early church, how the early church was structured. And I believe that, to be honest, every church ought to be structured in this way to some degree, right? And it says it like this in Acts chapter 2, verses 42 to 47, that what are the earmarks of a healthy church? I think we see it here. It says this in verse 42, that all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, that they're not just reading haphazardly, but, but that they're devoted to both the Old Testament, I believe, and the New Testament, because the apostles' teaching was based on the Old Testament, because there was no New Testament at the early church, right? This is written over the next 70 years. The New Testament get, gets written. And so the apostles' teaching affirms both the Old Testament and the New Testament and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper or communion and to prayer and a deep sense of awe. Let's say a deep sense of awe. What is that? It's the fear of the Lord. You see, they, they committed themselves to a structure in some sense, and a deep sense of awe came over them all. And the apostles then did perform many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. So there was a large group kind of a setting, and then we're gonna read some other things. And then they sold their property and possessions and shared money with those in need. And they worshiped together at the temple each day. Then it says, what else? Let's say the next phrase, met in homes. Met in homes, right? So can the whole church meet in somebody's house? I mean, if our whole church, the whole church can meet in your house, let's meet at your house. <laughs> but uh, uh, you can't, we can't meet at my house because my house isn't big enough. But, but they, they met in a large group and they met in clusters. They met in smaller groups, in homes for the Lord's Supper and shared their meals with great joy and generosity. And let's just read these last two uh, sentences together. Ready? From verse 47. And all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who are being saved. And I think when we see this aspect, what is it talking about? That, that there's a structure, I believe, that's in place that he's talking about. That people were one corporately or as groups seeking God. And I believe also that what we see that throughout the scriptures is that God always called individuals to seek him as well. And so it says that, can we just say this? There's gonna be three things we're gonna look at under this second point. Is the first thing is just place God first by seeking him daily. Just as an individual, would you place God first by seeking him daily, right? Talk to him daily, present yourself to him daily. Re read something in God's word 
daily? Would there be some aspect that you talk to him, that you read his word, that you worship in some sense, right? In Psalm 34, nine to 10, he says this. What? Fear the Lord, you his holy people. Why? For those who fear him lack nothing. How many of you wanna lack nothing? Right? Yeah, I don't want to be living in a great sense of lack. This is what he's saying. But when you fear him, those people who fear him, you lack nothing. The lions may grow weak and hungry, for, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. May you lack bad things, <laughs> but lack no good thing, right? You don't want to have an abundance of bad things. You don't want to have a, an abundance of bad days. But he says this, that you lack no good thing. Now, some of us, you go, you're very good at structuring your life personally. You're very organized, right? That when you go home, your closet, I, I know some of you guys that you go in, your closet is like all the shirts, like by, by the style. And I, I've seen some people like really super organized. That's not me, I'm sorry. Um, uh, that's, why, uh, that's why I got married to my wife. No, but... Um, because she helps me in some of those areas. You're great at personal disciplines, that you do this regularly. But for some of us, for some of us that maybe you're better in the groups, maybe some of you guys are better at, you know, kind of doing the, these things together. But I, I think that, but when you seek God personally, that you allow God to speak to you directly. You know, this, this week I, uh, on Wednesday, I basically shared what I'm going to share right now on Wednesday. But, um, you know, we just, my wife and I, we, uh, as part of the church's blessing, you know, we spent a, a few days, um, you know, just a little staycation. And it was just a wonderful time to decompress and, and spend time with my wife. It's been a crazy run uh, during the summer and getting ready to go portable again and, and all of those things and all of the changes that have been going on. But one of the things that we just did is, you know, we go and drink coffee and do our devotions and that kind of a thing. And, and when I was doing my devotions, I read a very familiar passage but there was something that stuck out to me. Something that really stuck out to me. And I, I was just reading in Matthew chapter 18 and Jesus is asked about forgiveness, you know. He's, he's telling, you know, forgive everybody who sins against you and this and this. And then Peter says, how many times, Lord? Seven times. And the Lord says, no, not seven times, but seven times 70. You guys might be familiar. And it's, it's again, it's not to be literal 490. It's, it's meant to convey as many as necessary, right? That we're called to be forgiving people. And then he tells a story about the person who has the king, who has this guy, a subject who owes him, like literally it, in today's equivalent would be billions of dollars, which is it's saying it's just impossible to repay. I don't know if anybody here has debt. I'm gonna guess in the size, room this size, some of us have debt, but like, you know what? I, I hope your debts are in a payable kind of a realm. But when somebody, if you were to owe billions, what would you do in some ways? Probably throw up your hands. Let's say you know that there's just no way, right? That you, you could pay it. And so he says, when he approaches this slave, the slave says to him, but give me a little bit more time. Like, I'm sorry, if I owe billions, you could give me another lifetime and I still couldn't pay that back, right? And it says, and the master forgave him. And then that, that guy who's forgiven, he goes out into, his, he's like rejoicing and happy and he runs into somebody who owes him money. Anybody here, somebody owe you money? I mean, you guys not raising hands? I didn't ask you to raise hands, but maybe somebody owes you something, right? And, and people sometimes make it to be, it's like an insignificant amount. It's not an insignificant amount. It's actually, it says it's 100 denarii, uh, denari, which is really 100 days wages. So it's like saying it's a little over three months salary. That's not an insignificant amount. But you know what it is? It is a payable amount, right? It is something that over maybe a course of time that could be paid back, right? Three months salary. And so when he sees this guy and that guy asks him for mercy, he says, have mercy on me and, and I will pay you back. But then the guy just says, nope. He says, and he basically has him arrested and beaten. He says, until he is paid back. And when the news gets back to the king, the news gets back to the king, the, 
he says that he pulls that guy before him and he says, you wicked slave. In other words, there's a part of unforgiveness that's wicked, right? And then he says this, that, that the same thing that you did to that guy, shouldn't, because of what I've done for you, shouldn't you have been forgiving? There's that aspect, obviously, in this story, right? But then this is what he says, that, hey, I'm gonna put you in prison and you're gonna pay back. And you're gonna, just like you, you did to that guy, God's gonna do to you now. So he says, so also my heavenly father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. Now, I, I shared that whole story, but this is the part that really stuck out for me. When he says this, if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. And I just goes, oh my gosh, God is so focused on what's in your heart, right? Because he didn't say, that you forgive them financially. He didn't say that if you, you cut them some slack. He said this. He didn't say that you be nice, right? Sometimes people think being a Christian is being nice. Christians don't have to be nice all the time. You don't. You shouldn't be nice all the time. There's sometimes you gotta be strong. I'm not saying you should be a jerk. Turn to your neighbor and say, pastor's not saying you should be a jerk, right? But you don't have to be nice all the time. If somebody is like threatening on the road, like sometimes maybe, I mean like just up, sometimes you, you cannot shy away. You're gonna just be more of a target. Just to be honest, that's, that's what we see in the Middle East happening right now. Should Israel just say, ah, we give you, we give you a free 1300 that you can murder and rape and do all. No, they, sh- they should be firm, right? They shouldn't be jerks about it, but they should be firm. People of God should be at times strong. But here's what God is saying. It says, what fills your heart? What's filling your heart? That's really the question. Because God is for you, but he's really interested that your heart, my, your heart and my heart matters to God. And this is the part that as I read that, and he says in, in Matthew 18, 30, the reason he did not forgive was because in 1830, he refused and went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. When it says he refused, it inst- indicates in the original tense, a persistent refusal a persistent refusal. You see, you gotta guide your heart. You don't just let it do whatever it wants to do. Your heart, my heart, it doesn't always wanna do what God wants us to do, right? We all need to be corrected at times. How many of you guys agree with that? Sometimes I need to be corrected. Right, your heart needs to be corrected. My heart needs to be corrected. But you know what? You can refuse it. You can, you, you can discourage it, you can, you can ignore it. But this is what he says. There's a, obviously this incongruity of a person who has been forgiven much that he should be filled with this lack or refusal to forgive. But whatever is filling your heart today, it's gonna affect your life, right? And this is just my devotion. This is what I just read. And I just started reading about this and I started thinking about this. And I started thinking, what, what fills my heart? Right? Is it advancement? Is it, is it proving my worth? Is it pride? Is it loss? Is it jealousy? Is it envy? Is it hate, disdain? Yeah, whatever it is that you can imagine, the human experience can fill your heart. And your heart matters to God. So this is what he's saying. When, you're, when your heart is filled with God, then different things come up. How do you fill your heart with God? You gotta read the word, you gotta pray, right? You gotta, you gotta worship. He says when that happens, God can put good things in your heart. Do me a favor, turn to your neighbor and say, God wants to put good things in your heart. That same day I read about Hezekiah a good, a righteous king. And this is what he says. 
in 2 Chronicles 29, verse 10. He says, now it is in my heart, let's say my heart, to do what? To make a covenant with the Lord, the God of Israel, in order that his fierce anger may turn away from us. What was in Hezekiah's heart? God, I just have this dream in my heart that people would experience your goodness. So I, what's in my heart is I'm gonna make a covenant with you so that my family will be blessed, so my nation will be blessed, so our land will be blessed. That was in Hezekiah's heart. That was filling his heart. So I just ask you today, what's filling your heart? You see, if you wanna maintain the awe of God, you gotta, you gotta be in this position where we let this go from here to here. And where we let our prayers go from here to here. And, and when we do, that if we have this regular time, it, it helps us to maintain this awe and reverence of God. And yet they said this though, that they gathered corporately, right? They, they gathered in the temple. They were all in one place. So they had to be the big place. The temple could hold thousands and they worshiped together. So what do we do? We're supposed to gather for worship together regularly, right? We're supposed to gather for worship regularly. And it's in that place that they worshiped, they sang songs, they were devoted to the apostles' teaching, they prayed, and that's why we try to do all that kind of stuff in our, in our regular week. We want you guys to be able to pray. We want you guys to be able to worship. We want you to be able to hear God's word. But here's what happens when you come and you gather together, is it gives you a capacity, it gives you a capacity to experience some kind of fellowship. It gives you a capacity to rub up against someone, even, even though maybe not at, at a great depth, but it gives you a capacity to rub against someone that the grace of God can move from one person to the next. And when I say that is, you get to pass along blessings to somebody else. You get to minister to somebody else. You get to be encouraged by somebody else. You get to be welcomed by somebody else. You get to be, you get to be kind of helped maybe by someone else. This last week that uh, a sister came to church and she hadn't been to church in uh, over two and a half months. And the reason is she had a very major surgery basically ended up taking about half of her lung out, right? So she had some um, major, uh, health issue that needed to be addressed and was at home and uh, really had a pretty tough recovery, you know, had a lot of pain. But she came on Sunday and when I saw her, she was sitting down and I just, I, I wanted to give her a hug and I didn't wanna like just hug her hard, but I just kinda reached over like one hand and I didn't realize that, you know, when I did that, she goes, don't, ah! and then she kinda did one of those. You guys ever, like, man, that is like the worst, reason, you know, kind of a response, like, oh my gosh, sorry, I didn't mean to hurt you and she, she sat through service and, but she had a ton of pain. And then when, after service, I said, hey, can, can we just pray for you? And so I called a few folks over and the guys came and they, they laid hands and prayed for Edie. And some of you guys know Edie. That's Lindsay's mom who heads up our hospitality uh, ministry. And she was saying that, you know, like she just had so much pain that she just wanted to go really. But I said, would it be okay if we prayed for you first? And we prayed. People were praying. And I just wanted to be quiet first. People were praying, but I'm just listening. God, do you have anything that you want to say? Anything that you want to do? And, and I just felt like the Lord said, she needs relief. And I just said, the Lord wants to give you relief. The Lord just wants to give you relief. The Lord wants to just take away your pain. We just prayed that very simply. And when we, at the end of that time, I said, hey, you feel any different? What was her response? She smiled, she says, I can breathe now. I feel a thousand times better. She had a smile on her face. She said, she was so glad she came. She's still doing good. She wants to go walk now this week as a result. You know what you can't get? You can't get that at times, if you just only have you, right? 
that if you only have video, hey, we, you know, if you guys are watching at home, we, we do want to welcome you. Can we say welcome to our online church family? <laughs> the, the thing that you miss, though, being at home is you can't get what Edie got. Because we, we don't hear it. We don't see you. We can't lay hands on you. And that's just one of those things. And it, and it may not be a physical thing like that. It may be, may be a weight that you're carrying. Jasmine was saying this evening, like, man, she's carrying some weight. And I'm glad that tonight, that when we came, that she left it at the cross. I hope tonight when you came, when we worship, you left your burdens at the cross. If Jesus wants you to take it up, then he'll give it to you, right? But if not, leave it. Leave it at the cross. But here's the thing, man, that the, sometimes people encourage. I've seen people meet people that uh, at church. We, I, I had the privilege that I've done weddings of people who've met at church. I've done, you know, uh, different kinds of things that happen that you, but you need to be face-to-face at times. And so worship together regularly. It's in here that we'll, you know, Look at the word of God. We'll worship together. But you know, we'll pray together. We'll fellowship together. And this is the, the last one. Is I'll just say this. Is that gather with a small group. Gather with a small group regularly. Because I, I, I believe that the reason why you need to seek God personally. Gather together at church. Come to church basically. And then f- have a small group. Is because the small group is the place where people share and they'll read the, the scriptures together. You might study together. You might pray together. And I really believe that at times God moves in our weekend and God really moved last weekend when we were um, with people. We just saw God move in mighty ways. But here's the thing. I, I believe most of us that we have this desire at some point to know and be known. I think that's the, the greatest cravings of the human heart. To know someone and love someone and someone to know you and be loved by other people. And you know what, to be honest, sometimes you cannot get that deep here after service. We could pray for Edie, but, but you know, hey, we, that was great and God moved. But sometimes that what we want is really found in a small group where somebody listens to you, somebody respects you, somebody honors you somebody values you you're heard and and listened to and you get to hear and listen to other people these things happen in a small group relationships and capacity to be known and heard and respected and valued happen in a small group you know this week um we in small groups every small group you you go through the ups and the downs of people's lives together right we, we prayed for Edie because th- her daughter and son-in-law come to my small group. We prayed for her before. That was kind of a major deal, right? It was a serious deal for them. And then this week we got to celebrate. It was Edie's birthday this week. So we had potluck and we, we sang together, we hung out, we ate good food together, right? They stayed late together, then I was tired the next day. To, no, I was kidding. But, um, and uh, so, you know, we, we had that together and that's great, right? But it's, it's this aspect that, that you meet friendly people, hopefully, on a weekend. But you generally make friends either in a small group or maybe sometimes serving on a team somewhere but you gotta get to know one another. It's in a small group that I've seen people help one another. This week I saw someone, or was it last week, save someone hundreds of dollars because when their car died and AAA said that you need a new alternator, they were looking at a new alternator as $450. And, and if you take it into a shop, it's gonna cost more than $450. That's just, that's just the part, right? And and so somebody went over and took a look at it and, and did some diagnosis and said, hey, you know, all you need is a battery, right? All you need is a battery. And like, this, I don't know, like there's some shops I'm sure would tell you that, that's all you needed. But if you came in and you said, I need a new alternator, there's a lot of shops, there's some people who just, guess what? You get in a brand new alternator. <laughs> but what happens? Like it's because people in a, in a family, 
right? We look out for one another. And, and so often people, we're like, we're like how you make a fire, right? How many of you guys good at making fires, right? Uh, well, you guys, I mean, I'm not going to call the cops on you. I'm not calling you pyromaniacs. <laughs> how many of you guys, literally, how many of you guys know how to make a fire? You do good. Okay, yeah. And you know what? When you, if you're going to make a fire, you know what you don't get? You don't just get one giant piece of wood or one charcoal briquette and soak it with lighter fluid, right? Because it doesn't matter how much lighter fluid you put on that thing. And that flame can be big. What happens when the lighter fluid is burnt? It's still not lit. What is necessary for, 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 for wood to catch on fire? You need other pieces of wood. And they need to be together. And they need to touch in some sense, right? Or briquettes, right? In the same sense. If you have a pile of briquettes, right? That you can then use your lighter fluid. And then what happens? And then that... The corporate fire creates enough heat for it to really begin to burn, right? Or you can just get the tube and put newspaper. No, it's kidding, but uh, that, 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 that is better. But we need that. And so I do wanna say for us is that we need the structure in our lives. If you want to keep the awe of God in your life, you need to gather together with people who want to love God, worship God, hear God's word. You need to seek him daily, but then you also at times need to find a group. And that's why we did these mini potlucks. And we had some families that came and joined us at our mini potluck. And people have been going to different ones just to make it open and just to, just to connect, right? Just to get to meet people. Because the reality is we all need people. We all desire to be known, and we all want to know other people. And you, you just need that structure in order to maintain the awe of God. I'm just going to close with this. You know, like um, uh, last week, we were at service as well. And just before we were leaving, uh, I heard Monica, who was singing on the worship team. Is it okay I shared a story? I didn't actually clear it with you, but... But uh, she's sitting and she's sitting in her seat and she's kind of just, you know, whatever, I guess, nervous, rubbing your hand or just whatever. And she said, why does my ring feel so rough? And she looked and her engagement ring, the diamond was missing. Yeah, yeah. And um, so it's important to have a nice ring, but it's important to have a ring that holds a diamond. <laughs> but, and uh, so just that whole aspect. And so at the end of the service, uh, she and Wade, her husband, and some other guys were helping and looking all over. And she told me, like, what happened to her. I went, and I looked all over the stage, and we did this, and we prayed. And, you know, then we didn't find it. But then I, I told um, the custodian who was there, Erickson, young, young guy. I said, hey, if you, when you're cleaning up, when you're sweeping, if you see something that looks like a diamond, it's a real diamond. <laughs> Could you pick it up and just let us know, right? And so he said, oh, you know, that happened before. I go, today? He goes, oh, no, no, a couple years ago. He says, was a teacher. Then she lost her, the diamond in her ring. I said, oh, did you guys find it? Oh, no, we never found it. <laughs> right? So, oh, thanks for all the encouragement there, buddy. And uh, he's just being honest, right? But before we actually leave, He's out there, and he's sweeping, and he's out by the bathroom, and he sees something sparkly, and he picks it up, and he says, I think this is it. And he looks and he finds Monica, and it fits exactly into that space, that piece of plastic that he found. No, I was kidding, it was, it was a real diamond, right? And you know the thing is that, that we're out there, the scripture calls this, it's, it's like the diamond is like you and me. He says sometimes we find ourselves distant and far from where we were designed to be. 
In Luke 15, it tells a lady, just tells a story about a gold coin, but can we just call it the diamond today? And he says this, and it, it fell in the cracks. And the woman will, what will she do? Will she just take a cursory pass? And like, oh, I guess not. It's just gone. No, it doesn't say that. She said, says that she tears up the house looking for this gold coin that has fallen between the cracks. And you know what? We, they looked when her friends heard about it. We looked. We didn't find it. So we called other people and they found it. Why should we be in awe of God? Because he went looking for you. You're that diamond. Sometimes we're a diamond in the rough, right? Sometimes we're a little rougher on the edges. But God knows how to polish us, shape us. We might not look like a diamond originally. We might just look like a rock. But God shapes us, polishes us, hones us, so that over time we can reflect His light in our lives. That's why we need the awe of God in our life, to know Him, to be welcomed by Him, to be shaped by Him, to become more like Him. That makes sense? As bow heads, we close in a word of prayer today. With our heads bowed, I want to ask you guys, there's some of you that after this gathering tonight, if you, after we eat, after we fellowship or whatever, when you're driving home or when you get home, would you take a moment to look at the stars in the sky and just think over the 90 or 9 trillion miles, 9 trillion, not miles, I'm sorry, light years of the universe. The moment you call out to God, He hears you. Would you focus on the fact that your God created all that like the span of His hand? And yet he knows you and he created you and he's with you. Would you be reminded of that tonight? But the other thing I want to ask you is what's been filling your heart. And if you find like, like all of us at times that maybe it hasn't been filled with the best, would you just submit your heart to him again afresh? Would you ask him to cleanse you today? Would you cooperate with him today? Maybe the Lord's been saying, would you forgive this person? Would you know when God asks you to forgive somebody, he's only asking you to do to somebody what he did to you. That's all he's asking. Would you not refuse him? Would you ask him to cleanse you and forgive you? that you might receive his visions, that you would have better things to fill your heart, to strengthen you along the way. Father, tonight we, we come before you. We're so thankful. Lord, that you would know us and call us and how magnificent all of your creation and how vast it is but you still chose us and you still looked for us and you still called us and Lord, you still want to hold us today. We're so thankful because that our God is a mighty God. Our God is a good God. Our God is the highest God. We give you thanks. And if you're here today and maybe you still feel a a million miles from God. Would you know that God's still calling you, knocking on the door of your heart? Maybe today, you're the diamond in the rough he wants to find. Maybe today, it's you who he's been looking for. Just like Erickson, he could see it in the middle of all of the little debris. He says, I see you. And I call you. 
And he doesn't want you to listen to the voices of guilt or shame that says, I don't deserve, or you know what? None of us deserve. If it was an issue of deserve, none of us deserve anything. It's just that if you're willing, and if you're willing today to be found, if you're willing today for him to hold you, if you're willing today for him to have a friendship with you, would you just respond to him? And if you're in the house, I'm going to ask you to raise a hand. If you're, you're at home, would you just shoot us a text, right? Just let us know or, or say something in the chat for those of you who are watching that way. Father, we want to respond to you today. And if that's you, would you just pray along with me? We're going to pray a very simple prayer. Lord God, you who created the heavens, the earth, and me, I need you today. And I want you today. Thank you for seeing me and knowing me. Seeing my need and still choosing me. I open up my heart to you today. Would you come live inside me? Would you forgive me of my sin? Would you help me to know you more? I want to be shaped. I want to be known. And I want to know you more. Would you help me and grow me? Would you bring people along the way to stand with me and encourage me? And people that I can encourage as well. And would you open up your word that when I read it, I would be able to hear your voice. Thank you for choosing me. I choose you. In Jesus' name, God's people say, amen. Amen. Hey, can we say congratulations to those folks? Hey, just want to thank you guys for joining us today. And uh, if you said yes to Jesus, you can let us know on the chat if you're walking at home or text us at that 808-793-5655. Or if you're in the house, we have a yes packet in the back. We'd love to be able to give that to you and some ways that can help you to grow and some new, a fresh Bible for you if you don't have one. But uh, hey, God bless you guys. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for tuning in to the New Hope Couple A Messages podcast. We hope you enjoyed this weekend's message and that it brought you inspiration and encouragement in your journey of faith. If you'd like to listen to more messages or stay connected with us, visit our website at newhopecapole.org or follow us on social media. Remember, no matter where you are in life, there is always hope and a new beginning in Christ. So let's continue to grow and learn together as we pursue a life of purpose and impact. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next time. Aloha and God bless.